Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, April the 30th, and we are reading from the big book on page 56, the last paragraph. This was our friend's cornerstone. Through four paragraphs ending with, he disclosed himself to us and commenting on all. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Becca R, 12 traditions, Esther F, readers of the text, Carmela G, Russ M, and Allison L. The reference number for Sunday, April the 29th, is 11355. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Becca R. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, friends. This is Becca R. from Bowling Green, Kentucky. These are the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message into to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Becca R. And just a gentle reminder, if you're not Uh, Speaking right now, please make sure that your phone is muted, star one. And the 12 traditions, Esther F. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a, a recover compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to, a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Have a great day, and I pass. Thank you, Esther S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And there is some background noise right now. So if you aren't Carmela G, please make sure that your phone is muted by pressing star one. Today we resume our study at the big book. We're on page 56, the last paragraph. This was our friend's cornerstone. Reading through to the end, he disclosed himself to us and commenting on all four paragraphs. I will now ask Carmela G. to begin reading for us. Thank you, Lynn. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay. Thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place. No later vicissitude has shaken it. His alcoholic problem was taken away. That very night, years ago, It disappeared, save for a few brief moments of temptation. The thought of drink has never returned. And at such times, 
a great revulsion has risen up in him. Seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. God had restored his sanity. What is this but a miracle of healing? Yet it's the elements, yet its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker. Then he knew. Even so has God restored us all to our right minds. To this man, the revelation was sudden. Some of us grow into, into it more slowly, but he has come to all who have honestly sought him. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. What a gift it is for me this morning to share on this paragraph. Because recently um, I shared with people uh, my story. And I said, every morning I look at myself, look at my behaviors, not just the fact that my body is slimmer, but just looking at my behaviors and my attitudes. And I say, I am a miracle. The gift that was given to me, I fought for over six decades. Six decades of saying, I got it, I'm controlling it, I can handle it. And I always believed in a power greater than myself that I called God, but I always would tell him, I can't say thy will. I really, I really need blah, 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 blah. And I went on and on and on. But I really wish you would make me thin, not knowing how insane I was. So we, who are compulsive overeaters, must honestly take the mask off, that facade that we're putting on for everyone else. Dig deep into our innermost self and be honest and surrender to a power greater than ourselves. And the gifts we get will be miraculous. I'm not saying life's not going to happen because it does but we will be able to handle it. We can trust, we can surrender, and the blessings, and we will get to know and feel so secure with the power in our life because we are powerless. But when we stay connected and we get plugged in, we receive power from a perfect power, and that is a miracle that I'm experiencing and I am grateful for every day. Thank you for allowing me to share and do service. I pass. Thank you, Carmela G. The floor is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Nancy K. Larry K. Lee H. Kathy Harlan G. Vasa O. Okay, Darnell. let me tell you 
let me tell you who I heard because there was a lot of people at once, so I don't have the right order, but this is who I've got. Nessa R., Larry K., Kathy C., I believe, Harlan G. I think I can take two more. Rita P. Nancy P. No, Nancy H. Okay, okay, we'll stop here now, and we'll go for the second round. Okay. This is who I have. Nessa R., Larry K., Kathy C., Harlan G., Dorita K., and Nancy H. It might be Dorita P., I guess. So let's go with that lineup, and I'm sorry for whoever I missed. We'll catch you the next time. So, Nessa R., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Nessa R., did I hear you? Maybe I misheard. No? Okay, sorry, Larry. Oh, I'm here. Larry, Uh, you are there. Okay, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead, Nessa, please. Nessa, are you there? Press star one. Okay, we'll come back to Nessa. Larry Kay, are you there, please? Hi, I'm here. I don't know why I keep getting muted, but uh, anyhow, I'm back. Um, the line that grabbed me this morning was uh, his alcoholic problem was taken away because um, a couple of days ago I walked by a, uh, a drugstore and at the door there was a, a man eating a candy bar with relish. Um, and the thought that crossed my mind was just a matter-of-fact thought, oh, I'll never eat one of those again. And I shrugged it and I thought, you know, like, big deal. And this is something that six and a half, seven years ago, I would not have thought possible at all, at all. You know, I had already been in the rooms away for nine years with um, on, on again, off again, abstinence, not really being able to, to, to accomplish much by, by way of uh, weight loss or anything else. Um, and then the unexpected happened. You know, I, I came into contact with someone in whom the problem had been solved. I put the food down entirely. She took me to the steps according to the big book. And the result, um, in addition to um, 70 pounds uh, less to carry um, on my body, was that thought um, two days ago where a candy bar, which was irresistible, um, you know, a few years ago, now is not a big deal. And, you know, that is the outcome when we do what, what we need to do. And for me, the biggest miracle is that through all that failure that I experienced, I never left. I never left. And, you know, for those of you who um, are discouraged and feel that you'll never get it, that that is not possible, it is possible. It is possible. It takes some of us longer than others to, to get it. But, you know, um, there's no trick to it. There's no magic to it. Um, it's simply entire, entire abstinence coupled with the steps opened me up to a much uh, better solution than I could have ever dreamed to all my problems, including my food problem, um, which is God. You know, and now I seek my sense of ease and comfort for, from God so that when I look at somebody eating a candy bar, 
um, I just think, oh, it's no big deal. And you know why it's no big deal? Because I have something better. So um, if you're discouraged and you think it's not going to happen, forget about that. Don't think that way. Just just do your work and let let God do the rest as he did for me once I got the food and myself out of the way through this amazing program. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Kathy Kay. Thanks so much for your service. <clears throat> Appreciate it. Uh, this is Larry Kay. I'm recovered this morning. You know, um, I, I don't know anybody personally that had a, kind of a sudden white light experience. I just haven't met that person, although, you know, we read about it. Bill Wilson was that person. Mine was, you know, where, where, the, where the light switch is just kind of turned on uh, right away. But mine, I like it characterized, mine has been like a dimmer switch that, is, that has come on. Sometimes that dimmer switch is, has come on, you know, a little bit more quickly, sometimes a little bit more slowly, but as long as I work for it, um, you know, it came on, you know, and it was a miracle of healing. Spiritual change is not magic. It is not magic. It's miraculous for sure, but it's not magic. It, it comes through good old-fashioned, honest work. And this process, these steps, really wasn't intended to stroke my, my good parts, you know, to, to give me a trophy for, for a kind deed once in a while. I, I did those things. Perhaps you did as well. You know, we already know what those were. God, God, the God-given good parts were, you know, we, we knew what those were. These steps were designed to deal with my shortcomings, my blind spots. And you know what happens when the student was ready? It's, it's, it was miraculous. That, that teacher arrived. And my personality traits, they needed to be revamped. And just like this guy that we're reading about, my fixed patterns of feeling and thinking and behaving, they had to change. They had to be thrown out. And a new set of, of, of ways of feeling and thinking and behaving had to, to replace that. It had to be substituted. And, you know, William James, he wrote, he wrote uh, more than just the book that we hear about. He wrote a, a book called The Principles of Psychology. And he, he said something that I think is important. He said, most of us, by the time we're age 30, the character is set like plaster. See, without help, it was too much for me. I was way beyond 30 when I arrived here. I couldn't think my way out of that change into that change rather i couldn't change the plaster yet through this spiritual transformation that's what happened through these actions it was possible to change stripes even at my age and the shifts may come slowly later on and age may naturally move us towards you know positive adjustments but i needed god i needed god's help i did the legwork god did the heavy lifting and moving forward wasn't simply a matter of will. I couldn't think my way out of this. No way. I needed, I needed God's help. I, otherwise, I'm swimming upstream, always to be carried back. Thank God for this process. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Kathy Kay, it's your turn, followed by Harlan G. Thank you very much, Lynn, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, Recovered in Boston. And I I just think these paragraphs are beautiful and and such a good reminder to me um, 
I was one who had a very slow uh, growing awareness of my God. It took a really long time, and it came because I did what I was told to do uh, by the big book and by my sponsor. And, um, you know, what I'm very aware of is that even being recovered now, um, I can... I can let up on some of my disciplines uh, if my life gets too busy. And as soon as I do that, I start uh, loosening the connection with God. Um, And that in itself is a reminder that I have to keep doing the work. And if I do the work, I will continue to um, evolve in ways that bring me more serenity, more peace, more uh, willingness uh, to do service, um, and many other changes which otherwise I could never uh, make on my own power. So um, it's a very good reminder, and I, you know, it's a reminder that it's not just what we need to do uh, to make that connection, but it's what we need to do to keep that connection. Um, And it becomes a way of life. And uh, I'm just so grateful that we're here in this section of the book where we can be reminded that it's really quite simple. It's just a matter of implementing the disciplines as they're outlined in the steps. Thanks very much. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Harlan G., it's your turn, followed by Dorita P. Thank you, Lynn, and thank you to Team Monday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at our friend Fitz Mayo, and Fitz has accepted that there's a God in what we read last week, and he has asked himself, who are you to say there is no God? This is him speaking to himself. Now, at the bottom of 56, it said, this was our friend, thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place. For steps, no later vicissitude. A vicissitude is an unwelcome change in life. Has shaken and his alcoholic problem was taken away. What did that show me? That shows me that alcohol was never his problem but that alcohol was the solution to his problem. His problem was not alcohol. It was the buildup of human emotion. And when he started working the steps, the emotions didn't build up to that level where his brain was screaming out for alcohol because of the pain from the buildup of that emotion, those emotions. And then it says here, Save for a few brief moments of temptation. The thought of drink has never returned, and at such times a great revulsion has risen up in him. When I think about eating some of the things that I used to eat, the Oreo cookies, the Dunkin' Donuts, the McDonald's and all that, I think about it for a second because I'm not responsible for my first thought. I'm responsible for my first action it really sickens me because that stuff is garbage to me. It's garbage to me because it did things to me that if I did them to you, I'd be in prison. And sanity has returned. 
sanity has returned. Seemingly he could not drink even if he would. God has restored his sanity, step two. What is this but a simple miracle of healing? Yet its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker, step three. Then he knew. Then he did four through 12. Even so has God restored us all to our right mind, sanity, step two. To this man, the revelation was sudden. In other words, he had a spiritual experience. I did not. I've had a spiritual awakening of the educational variety. Some of us grow into it more slowly. That's me. But he has come to all who have honestly sought him. When, he, when we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. Watch the capital. He's referring to God. What do I know that when I walk to God, he runs to me? What do I know that God, no matter how many times I yelled F you at my mother's, mother, not mother's, <laughs> no matter how many times I disappointed my dad, no matter how many terrible things I did to other people, God wants to just throw his arms around me and say, Harlan, I love you. Let's work on this and let's get you, <clears throat> excuse me, free of the food. So what do I know about God? There is one. And it's not me. And that when I walk to him, he runs to me. I don't need any more proof than the fact that I'm still alive. Despite my efforts to kill myself with food, I'm still alive. And I have a life that in many, many ways is enviable. In some ways, I wish it was different, but that's just being a human being. And with that, I will pass. With that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Dorita P., it's your turn, followed by Nancy H. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, Can I be heard? I'm using a new headset. Yes, thanks. Okay. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service. Um, This part here, what is this but a miracle of healing? Um, Yes, elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker. Then he knew. Yeah, um, that's what happened to me. Um, step uh, Steps two and three, I kept going back to my group uh, saying, um, well, I don't understand to, uh, I don't understand this higher power um, well, I was angry at God. I was angry at God because um, he had taken, I don't know, three, four, five people away from me in a, in a couple-year span. And, you know, my thought was um, um, God is just taking all these people that I love away from me. And if there is a God, then he uh, sure hasn't done anything for me. So I'm going to act as if there is no God. And for me... Acting as if there is no God is just treating God's people, you know, any kind of way, you know, not not being careful with uh, God's people. And um, what is this but a miracle of healing? Yes, I have been healed and I see, you know, thousands of other people around me who, who has been healed. Um, and... Um, the its elements are simple. Yeah, I just you know had to follow a few simple steps. 
and uh, he humbly offered himself to his maker. Then he knew, yes, I know uh, without a shadow, shadow of a doubt that there is a God. You know, I, you know, I, I was able to stop eating, um, and I had never in my life been able to stop eating. So it was something other than me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dorita P. And Nancy H., it's your turn. Good morning, everyone. I'm Nancy H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, when I, um, I, The thing that hits me the most is, even so, God has restored us all to our right minds, and he has come to all who have honestly sought him. And I um, have heard people for a long time sharing on the miraculous life they have now as a result of the promises, as a result of doing the work. But I kept thinking to myself, there's something that's not right, you know, because I, I don't have that, that happiness and that freedom and all that they're talking about. I just have a release from the craving for food because I'm staying in fit spiritual condition. So about two, three weeks ago, I thought about it and I said, what is the problem? There's some kind of a connection that's lost here between me and God. And I realized it was me using the scale as my other God. And I didn't, um, I I had to weigh myself every day to make sure that I didn't gain any weight. And I had to, um, you know, gear my food in my head, even though I was eating exactly according to my plan. And so three weeks ago, I said to God, okay, I'm done. I'm done having anybody else for God or anything else. The scale I'm putting in your hands, I'm the person who weighed yourself every, every day. And I said, I want this connection with you more than I want the scale. And so I started um, an affirmation that I say every morning. I stand in front of the, sca- the mirror and I say, I love and accept this body exactly as it is. And I will treat it with respect and care as a temple of God. He's loaned me. And I've, I've not weighed myself for a month. And during that time, um, all these promises started coming true for me. Working with others uh, has helped that a lot. But I... I now have what I thought I would never get. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I was laying on the couch the other day because I've been sick, saying to myself, I'm c- completely at peace with the world. And relationships that I ran away from a year ago, I now have loving relationships with those people. And that to me is a miracle. And I have a deep love for them. So um, everything's changed. Let's put it that way. Everything's changed, and my thinking is so much on a deeper level since I gave up that scale. And I'm just amazed because I've been in this program for 42 years. I was abstinent for a long time, and I didn't get the I I got the promises, but not like I see now. Now my whole life is changing drastically. So for me, this where it says it gives me hope that for other people too that some of us grow into it more slowly. And he has come to all, he will come to all who, who will seek him by doing the work. So I'm very grateful this morning to be able to share on this paragraph because I'm really starting to live life on a different basis. And I'm, I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy H. To those of us who might have come on the line later, we are on page 56, the last paragraph. This was our friend's cornerstone reading through to the end with he disclosed himself to us and commenting on all four. Please say your name just once. It helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Melissa from Boston. Melissa C. 
John L. Okay. Let me tell you who I got. I got Vasa O, Katie G, Melissa C, and John L. Was there anyone else? Lisa B. Lisa B. Great. Let's go with that lineup. So we have Vasa O, Katie G, Melissa C, John L, and Lisa B. Vasa O, can you start for us, please? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Vita calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. I'm so grateful for these meetings. I can get on almost every morning. Oh, it's such a gift to have discovered the vision for you. And, excuse me, I guess when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I had the gift of desperation when I came to the program, and I was uh, 12-stepped by a person, a friend of mine, before she even took me to my first meeting. Very little bit, told me a little bit about the steps. And uh, and I've been struggling with the food addiction for many, many, many years and tried to put it down, and I did everything what I have heard everybody else on, at this meeting. And then the only way she said for me, it was just to surrender, and I really was so in so much pain, physical, emotional, spiritual. I didn't know at that time much about the spiritual part, but I was just so ready and willing to surrender and uh, she took me to my first meeting, and and we stayed in the driveway. We talked a little bit more, a little bit more, and she and then you know she said, just go find a quiet place and surrender, and and that's what I did. I did what I was told to, whether it was going to work or not. I didn't. I didn't know. I just took a chance, you know, and I did go to the bathroom. I shared last week to be continued, and I I went in the bathroom, locked the door, and I didn't want somebody to come in intentionally, open the door, find me on my knees, and I did humble myself on my knees, and I surrendered to the, you know, the, the higher power, Father, whatever, you know. Uh, and I said, I put the food in your hands, 150, 150% with the food. I was ready to surrender, but I was terrified surrendering my life and my will to the care of God because I had a lot of trust issues. I grew up with fearful punishing God. And uh, that was the minute. I did have a sudden spiritual experience, but I didn't want to talk about it because I was embarrassed to tell people what happened. I said, they're going to think I'm crazy, you know. But I did have the power. It was like a, a power go through my body, from my head to my heart. And uh, I heard a small voice say something about uh, acceptance, forgiveness, and um, uh, there was another one, acceptance, forgiveness, and honesty. There were three things I heard in my head. And as I said, I, when I, I didn't know whether this God was going to strike me down or raise me, and I was raised, and I experienced a joy that I had never experienced in my life. And then I was going to, I did get up, you know, and uh, I went to the bathroom, I mean, in the kitchen. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to start this tomorrow. Well, that small voice came in my head. Well, Vasa, how many times you said, I'm going to start this tomorrow for this occasion, that occasion. I was terrified. I'll wrap it up. I was really scared. I came back from the bathroom, from the kitchen, and I went in my bedroom. I wanted to shake my husband so bad to tell him what happened, but he would have never understood. 
this is to be continued. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, Katie G, it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your service. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Love hearing this. I I love this promise, right? Like, I love my life today. I remember when I first really got in my DNA, when I first had that circumstance that made me willing, that I realized that I was going to have to put down the only solution I'd ever known. Like, I was going to have to put down that happy thought that I had when I was a little girl and there was really hard stuff going on and my happy thought was food. It's going to be okay, Katie, because you've got the food. And and, it got, and, and, you know, as we all know, the food kicked my butt over and over and over and over and over again. And I remember saying to someone I was in a relationship with, how am I ever going to put this down? And that has happened to me throughout recovery. Like, so I put down, you know, some substances and then more substances came. How am I ever going to put this down? And when I when I put down the final substance, it was like, how, what am I going to do with my mouth? What am I going to do to not have this hand to mouth? And it was like, oh, God's going to be there. I had to be, I had to surrender. I had to give to God. The only way to search for God is to give up, is to give away, to stop, just to stop for me. And, um, you know, it's just amazing to me and mind-blowing that we can all walk through these circumstances. I'm in a circumstance right now. I can't believe that I continue to follow the program that's outlined for me of entire abstinence and these 12 steps. And, and then I, every day I want to seek God, but it's not easy, you know, like, you know, seeking God, it, it means to go in search of or quest to discover. And there are new things as a recovered woman, new behaviors that I still need to uncover and discover and discard because I want to draw near to God. And anything that I put between me and God is between me and God. So each and every day, my job as a recovered woman is to be aware, to be conscious. Where is God? Where am I blocking myself from God? Because God's with me. God's ready. God's like, come on, KDG. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm going to disclose myself to you. You got to do the work, right? This is just a promise. We're just on step two, guys. We got, we got some work to do and it's hard, but God's going to be with me. And that is amazing. And, um, I love too, like he humbly offered himself to his maker, humble, modest, meek and behavior attitude. Yeah. Not like throwing myself, you know, um, insisting, you know, my arrogance, my selfishness. I, I, you know, have turned in slowly to a humble woman, but man, I am a work in progress. So um, this is just so, so, so exciting. And the promise, I'll just close with this one, the promise that this has, that God is going to be there for us, is amazing. So I'm going to keep seeking. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. We have three people left to share in six minutes. So if we all stick around two, we'll get everybody in. Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by John L. Hi, good morning, Lynn. This is Melissa C. Thank you for your service covered in New York. And um, yeah, so I was always the cornerstone. You know, that's how I operated my life, that I was what was fixed in place. Um, and 
And so then any time, any kind of surprising, frightening, uncomfortable, even happy event came up, um, you know, with me as the cornerstone, I had no other solution but to turn to the food. Too awesome a responsibility for me to be that cornerstone. And so the miracle is with God as my cornerstone, with my foundation, my rock, the spiritual solution, um, problems arise. Like I'm living an earthly existence. Um, and every time something frightening, uncomfortable comes up, um, when I put myself in God's hands, um, it's fixed. You know, it might not be to my liking, but it, it does all get resolved exactly as it's supposed to. And I don't have to eat. I mean, that's, that's like, talk about a miracle that, you know, any, any time anything would come up for me in my life for 40 something years, it was always, oh my God, I've got, I've, I've got to get an ice cream sundae. You know, I've got to get cookies. I've got to get a pizza. It was like every single problem that was always my solution, and I couldn't even fathom that I could make it through life's ups and downs without the food. And now, you know, it's four and a half years of living this way where when a problem arises, I say, I don't know what to do. You know, and, and I and I ask God, um, help me seek your will, not help me get my way. And, you know, with that, I don't have to eat, you know, so that when problems arise, I've been, um, you know, living life. And I walk into places, there's food all around me, and it actually is, is revolting. I, I can't believe that this is the truth. That is a miracle. That is not something I did that was done for me. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa C. And uh, sorry, I was wrong about the time of the meeting. So everybody's got three minutes. John L., it's your turn, followed by Lisa B. Good morning. I'm John L., and I reside in Arizona. And anyway, my experience was a little bit more rapid uh, when I came to believe in a power greater than myself. When I first came to these 12-step meetings, uh, I was really bottomed out. I had really hit a spiritual bottom, uh, primarily in loneliness, like few people really have known. Uh, I was just absolutely miserable. And I had had as a kid a very poorly education that was very watered down about God. And I was just really miserable and desperate. And I just graduated from college and learned all the stuff about evolution and all. And I was really a true agnostic. I was really questioning, is there a God, is there not? But as time went on and I came to this point in my life, just like our character in our reading did, I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this God thing a fair chance and a good try. I'm going to see if it's true for myself. And just by admitting that, just by opening up my mind that there is a God and he's out there and he's loving and he cares for me, I mean, things really started changing for me. The first thing that I noticed was I quit fighting this, this 
argument. I threw in the towel on the argument. And I wasn't arguing, is there, is there not? I said, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. And I did. And all of a sudden, I could start seeing as I walked through life, I could start seeing evidence that there was a God rather than looking for evidence that there wasn't. And just in stopping this questioning and getting with the program, I became a lot more happier and uh, just life was starting to go a lot better for me. Now, in this food addiction stuff, you know, just last night, this is all about power. And last night, I was tempted to eat something that I'm not supposed to eat. And I said a little prayer, and I didn't eat it. And it's like, thank God. This morning, I'm just, you know, happy as can be, because guess what would have happened if I would have eaten that last night? And God is there. He cares. And he's there for the asking. And the trick is, I have got to want him. I have got to want to stay abstinent and get the power to reach out to him before the power of the food sucks me in and gets me to get off my, my food plan. And I'm just really grateful. And I have to keep going to meetings to keep this power strong. There's a gremlin in my head that's trying to get me to take that first bite. And this is my only defense to fight that gremlin and to keep my mind where it's supposed to be in helping others, going to meetings, doing my work in OA. And it's a day at a time, and each day I can stay abstinent and, and stay on this program and, and be happy and live a good, healthy life. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, John L. And Lisa B., it's your turn. Good morning. Can you hear me, Lynn? This is Lisa. Yes. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn S., for your service. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I don't know why, but the line that keeps going through my head is, um, and I don't know where it is, but it's something to the effect of I have recovered and I've been given the power to help others recover. And the reason that that line keeps going through my head is because when I was in this section of the big book, um, you know, I would hear all of the enthusiasm and the recovered voices on the line, and I kept comparing my insides to your outsides, and I thought, why don't I feel that way? Why don't I feel that way? Well, guess what? What happened for me is I needed to be entirely abstinent, do the work in this big book precisely the way it's laid out, and it wasn't for me until almost I was finished with my ninth step well into doing daily 10 steps every day that I started to feel like the light came on. And even then, I had to dig deeper, go back to step two, and review what step two really means to me now that I'm in step nine and ten. Each time I take an action step in this program, and it is so much action, it's all action. It's not through osmosis. How disappointing. It is not through osmosis. But I needed to connect with other recovered people who have a message to carry, not just encouragement, but they actually have a message, a solution that they have experienced that's living within them, and then they could transmit that through me, to me. And now today, I need to do that every day with the same desperation as I did when I was on step one. I needed to look at, have I completed all of my amends? Am I just doing, quote, living amends? Or have I really made face-to-face -face direct amends and acknowledged where I was wrong? 
am I repairing the damage? Have I paid the money back or in the process of paying the money back? I wanted to take the easier, softer way and just do a living amend. And, well, it's too much money to pay back. I really don't need to address that. You know, I had to really do all of this. And every day still need to do it. And that's why I love working with others. Because when I take them through the work, I get to experience that step that they're on. I get to experience it again on a deeper level. It's never ending. It's constant work. I've never worked so hard in my life. The other thing is, am I just saying, oh, God is the most important relationship, and then only maybe having a little bit of communication with God in the shower or in the car when I'm driving? I've had to really set aside time each day for that meditation, that quiet time. And it's not always convenient. It's not. That's the thing. It's never convenient. But this disease is so massive. It's so big that my recovery has to be bigger. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Liz Sabi. Okay, we have time for two or three more shares. Who would like to share? Press star one to unmute. This is Janice. Perry B. Rick W. Okay, I got Janice. And I got... Terry B., and there was somebody in between, a lady in between? Morrissey. Great. Okay, let's go with that. Janice, I need the initial of your last name, please. Sure, PM. Okay, go ahead, please. Yes, thank you, Kelly. Good morning to you, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice PM, and I'm from Massachusetts. Yeah, you know, I just want to, you know, just give a little brief um image of how Bill writes, and um, for those that are new, you know, he writes, what he's doing is he's, he's, he's like an architect, he's, we're building an arch, and I think that's very important for me to see, because I, I always remember that, an arch, you know what an arch looks like, a doorway, and the goal for me, and us, as compulsive overeaters, is to walk through this arch to the other side, which means the goal, the goal for my um, obsession to be removed and to be transformed for what I was to what he wants me to be. So the first stone, there's stones in a notch, there's 12 stones, and those are the 12 steps. So the foundation, the foundation which anything is built upon is the willingness, you know, the willingness, the powerlessness. And, um, you know, that's step one. And then there's two stones that are holding up this arch. And it's very picturesque. And, you know, that's the cornerstone. Because when I first came in and I read cornerstone, cornerstone, I mean, my mind just didn't go there. I'm not a builder, you know. So anyway, this is real important here. That now that it says in the in the, in the previous that <clears throat> he lived in the consciousness of his creator, See, he he had a sudden experience, which is very quick. So now it, it even tells us, for us, we may be just willing to believe. This is step two. Cornerstone is step two. If we're not willing to believe, maybe some of us have already believed, but I know I had a, I had a God in my life, but I still was full of pride and arrogance and thought I, you know, I knew I was powerless, but I still, you know, had many, still had weaknesses and still, like it was said before, you know, um, thought I was okay, um, thought, you know, I had it all under under control, and of course I didn't. So the cornerstone is every day for me to be willing to believe 
that I do not have this power to stay abstinent or to have this obsession in my mind removed unless I go through this arch, which means for me to go through the steps again if I if need be um, so that I can get to that goal so that I won't um, have the obsession to pick up because I have a twofold disease. But anyway, so now, um, you know, there's a lot Time, of... Time, please. Okay, and then, you know what? I'm going to pass. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Janice PM. We've got two people left. If we take two minutes, we'll get in on time. Maura Z, it's your turn, followed by Terry B. Thank you, Lynn S. Good morning. Thank you for your service. So good to be back here today because I was gone the conference and could not get up at this hour. I don't know how the folks on the West Coast do it, but God bless you all. Um, and of course, I forgot to set my stop my timer. So, um, okay, stop babbling. I came to God in the slow educational way, and but when I did finally realize He was working in my life, it was like evidence, boom, 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 like all of a sudden everything I needed to do to move here back to Virginia was all lined up and everything happened. And all my worry about all the things, the moving parts were taken care of. All of the other instances in my life where I'm walking through the grocery store and it doesn't matter what day of the year it is, there's a holiday coming up somewhere along the freaking path, right? So every time I walk through the grocery, there's going to be a holiday. And every holiday has sugar involved with it. So I'm walking through the grocery store, and I'm seeing all these end caps with all that crap on it, and I'm thinking, I don't even care about it. When I realized, like last year sometime, that I was walking past something that used to be like my nemesis back in the day, um, I wasn't even salivating anymore. These are miracles in my life. I was on a plane yesterday. We had really, really bad turbulence. I hate flying. But because I have finally let go and given everything to God, I actually comforted a lady across the aisle from me who was white-knuckling holding on to the, to the uh, armrest. And I was just sitting there as calm as could be because I knew that no matter what happened to that plane, I was in his hands. He has come to all who have honestly sought him, and I seek him every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Maura Z. Terry B., we've got one minute and a bit. It's, it's your turn. Terry B., from Florida. I'm so grateful to be on the line this morning and have these strong people that just shared before me. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, thank you. I'm in a weak spot right now where the sugar and the flour is more powerful over me than I am over it, and I am not willing to let go of it. So today I have to do some serious prayer work and meditation and journaling and just crack that book open, The Twelve Steps, which I seem to be so resistant to doing, and um, it's a challenge for me. It's my humility and I read a lot yesterday in the One Day at a Time book. I read it. <coughs> Being humble is not the easiest thing for me, and 
my acceptance of this disease is the hardest of all. But waking up in the middle of the night with my hands numb and tingly and my foot feeling like I couldn't move it from the prediabetes and this diabetic neuropathy or peripheral neuropathy or whatever this is that's coming along with eating the sugar and flour and the itching of the skin from this. You know, I have to go back to the doctor's opinion. When I saw a woman yesterday at the movie theater who had her foot in a cast, I said, what happened? She said she has diabetic neuropathy and her foot was asleep. And when she got up, she knocked it the wrong way and she whacked it out of line. And I Time, thought, please, God, Perry. God is just telling me to really, really get back in shape here. So thank you for letting me share. Great. Thank you for everyone who shared. And thank you to Team Monday, Becca R., Esther S., Carmela G., Russ M., Allison L., Lisa L.B., and Linda B. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, April 30th, 7 a.m. meeting, is 11358. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Russ M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Lynn. This is Russ M., Recover Compulsive Overeater Outside of Philly. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.